0: Hello and welcome to Footballistic the Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. I am joined as ever by sidekick Josh Landy, resplendent in his her-house
2: style office and his scotch and soda jumper. Hi Josh. Tremendous to be here, Boyd. Very excited to be here and I'm very excited. You've brought with you today a brand new guest for us. Brand new guest. A rare treat. A truly talented
0: uh, person who I've been meaning to get on the podcast for ages and ages, months if not years, because every time I see her, we talk about Arsenal, as well as her fantastic professional achievements. She is a screenwriter of such excellent TV dramas as Blood and Hollington Drive. We we have Sophie Petzl on the podcast. Hi, Sophie.
2: Hello.
1: It's really nice to be here. Thank you, guys.
0: A pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. I bumped into you at BAFTA, no less, last yep. week. Um, which was are we, the main impetus
1: Are we allowed to say what we were watching? Because uh, I, I don't yeah. know how to deal with embargoes
0: <laughs> I think we're allowed to say We were at a screening of Litvinenko Josh, mm. which is a wow. new Yeah, it's a new uh, drama Telling the terrifying true story Of the poisoning of Litvinenko. I assumed that
2: from the title Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. Didn't suspect it had a link I, I didn't think it was like a potential signing That we might be looking at in the next transfer window It seemed unlikely. <laughs> Uh, I don't boy, think living. Yeah, I don't think is going to join Arsenal anytime soon. No. But um, have you, if David have you two ever been? It? Have you ever been to an Arsenal game together? Then do you ever have like? Because I know you get invited by the big dogs in TV. Like when you know All or Nothing was being made, you were straight into the, hmm. you know, into the Amazon box quicker than anyone could have. Oh, wow. Possibly invited you. Do you get similar What's- offers, Sophie? Once, Sophie, I got into the. I was in the Amazon
0: box.
1: No, I get no such joy. I have a very close colleague who frequently gets invited to a very, very fancy person's box, and he's not even an Arsenal fan, and it drives me nuts. And I'm like, when are you going to invite me? And he's like, you wouldn't like the banter. And I'm I'm just like, oh, there's just like, there's just a whole Vice documentary of misogynistic abuse going on up there, probably. (laughs) Oh God, right. I'd I'd go for it anyway. I would put up with it to sit up there just for once, you know. Wow.
2: Wow. Um, yeah, so where do no, you usually sit, Sophie? Where can we usually find you?
1: I'm at club level. I, I just heard Boyd. Did you say you're there as well? I, I, yeah. it, we're not. Wet. I'm at the, I'm West side. I'm the West stand.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm East. Yeah. I'm 59. Block 59.
1: Yeah, I'm um, 80, 83. Um, Arial, so, probably
2: couldn't be further away. Yeah,
1: yeah. Boyd, no, you, and
2: it, you you might get stalkers, Boyd. No, um, you're given your your block. I mean, away. that's fine. That's fine. If that want never... to stalk, go ahead.
1: I've never yet recognized anybody in the as um, I, 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 like I'd recognize a stalker, but like I, I, I'm I'm more concerned about bumping into people that I want to avoid. Um, and uh, I don't I have never yet recognized anybody in my stand or in that in that block. So hopefully it's fine. But um, yeah, that is that costs an arm and a leg. But it's a bit like yeah. I mean I've only I've ever been flown business class once in my life. But I feel like once you've done it. Yeah. You, you can never unsee it like you go back to economy or what you can afford and you're like this yeah, is miserable. Exactly. I remember yeah, what it, it was I wish I'd never yeah, seen the Land of club
0: Land. level is the club level is the upper class yeah of uh, yeah,
1: it's business it's, class football
0: business class yeah maybe it's like virgin's um, premium economy because i guess the boxes are up but i don't like the yeah, the, 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 yeah i don't like the boxes because you're you're um, too you're removed taken away. too removed exactly too removed uh,
1: and i'd say Plus, like i'll oh, go on sorry about
0: no, plus plus full of misogynistic bands apparently. Yeah,
1: well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the I mean the um sometimes I say the atmosphere and club level is a little lacking, but um but I the, it's a good trade off for me to have like the really nice food and I I just I go to so many football matches I go to a lot of women's football matches and sort of the quality of. The football grounds um, vary wildly, and um, I if and after a whole summer of going to Wembley and the Amex for for the Lionesses, if I never see those concrete fucking dugouts ever again, <laughs> uh, it will be t- like it will be none too soon. So I'm just always delighted to walk up those stairs and be handed a free uh, be handed a free program and buy some chips and get a free pint at half time. I just it's my it's my it's my temple. I love it.
0: Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. um, and, and you do. We should also say you'd also play football quite frequently, don't you? What do. kind of level are you playing football at?
1: Not a great one. I I, I play. Uh, so, well, we, we like non-league, 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 deep non-league, not even Sunday league, Um, because okay. that's too much of a commitment for a lot of 30 year old women with jobs. Um, So we sort of play in this uh, friendly league called Clapham's, Clapham Women's Friendly League or something like that. It's not particularly friendly. Um, OK, OK. Uh, uh, made made evident by the number of injuries we're currently sporting as a side, but I play like we play twice, a, uh, two matches a month um, with that's That's an 11 aside. And I play a lot of five and seven aside. And I also play mixed five aside. So I play way too much football, And hence why I am now carrying a uh, meniscus cartilage injury. And I'm literally having an operation on it in two days time. So just call me Ben, Chinwell, P- ben Chilwell <laughs> and leave me out of the World Cup squad. Um, yeah, so,
2: you yeah. are the Ben Shilwell of, of our a, podcast. That's a serious injury. We wish you well. Uh,
1: thank you. Yeah, it's not It's not fantastic. Um, and I've done it in a weird spot as well. It's right on the edge of the knee. It's like come off the joint or something gross. I don't really understand it, but apparently they can fix it.
2: <laughs> right. It's, it's a bad, good thing you are in club level when you come back in January, February. You'll need that extra leg room that you uh, get in club level.
1: Yeah, well, if I've timed it well, I mean, they said to me, but they'll always say this, they'll say like, oh, you'll be playing 12 weeks after after the operation. And I'm like, this is perfect, because I've timed this with this international break perfectly. So I shouldn't miss mm-hmm. any club football. I shouldn't be able to, like I shouldn't have to sell my, um, my ticket once, all being well. Um, yeah, because at the minute, sitting quite cramped is quite painful. So, um, and I have to sort of sit with my like man spreading in my seat and go, "Sorry, I've got an injury, please." um, but yeah, no, I think they'd look after you in club level. you'd probably be like offered uh they have all sorts of like comfort rooms and and um and oh, yeah, different yeah. spaces for people with different needs and accessibilities and stuff, so yeah, you'd probably yeah. You probably get looked after
0: <laughs> you definitely get looked after yeah Where, which position do you play when you're playing eleven on side?
1: Um, center back or like defense oh, generally okay. I've started like Ben White started being pivoted out to right back. Not right. because I'm not, because I've got a pinpoint pass or a tricksy on the ball, but just because I can run really fast. Uh, that's the only yeah. thing I have any sort of quality as I can. I've always been a fast runner. So yeah, like I'll just keep hoofing it forward and chasing after it and um, then get to the box and sky it. And, um, they're like, why is she there? Um, so yeah, center back is sort of the bread and butter, but I've been enjoying being Ben Whited. A little bit recently.
0: I bet what about that pass? I mean, talking of Ben White, oh. that pass. Well, that was the highlight of the game, wasn't it? Really? I mean, it's hot from the goals. Yeah.
1: Oh, it was it was something else. And, um, and I was watching, so I was actually at our football club social that night. Oh, okay. at Tocker Social at the O2 Arena, which is um, it's like flight club if you know what that is like darts but for football so you just fire a football at like a screen and you play all these sort of games but i couldn't do it because uh um i'm injured so i sat like granny in front of her programs at the bar where my friends were playing watching them but also with the phone on with sky sports on watching the game so that they were (laughs) just leaving me there looking after everybody's handbags watching the game and i had a fantastic (laughs) time so i was sort of loosely watching it but you know you just don't absorb the level of detail um but so all I could really detect was this felt like a fairly flat game where everybody was protecting themselves from serious injury. Um, I didn't really know what the hell happened to Granite Jacka, but it just sounded like he had the shits. Um, but a couple, <laughs> Basically. A couple, yeah, but a couple of fantastic moments. Well, the goals, but the pass from Ben White to Gabriel Jesus. And just Gabriel Jesus' commitment and consistency yeah. and talent anyway. Yeah, even though the goals sort of don't come... He's he's consistent in his like quality. Um hundred percent, yeah. Which yeah, is you can't say that for a lot of our former strikers.
0: No. Josh, you were
2: there, weren't you? You were at the at the at the wolves? At the wolves, at Molyneux board, yes. Yeah. yes uh, very much yeah. at Molyneux, not in club level. In what is Possibly the least appealing away end. Anyway, just to get in it, it's again a bit like sellout park, very narrow, and you're spread out across the entire side of a stadium, and it's only up fifteen rows in total. So your ability to get an atmosphere going is is quite majorly impacted. So not the not the not the favourite away end, but I I did really we had a great time. I particularly was uh, delighted with the parking I chose, pre-booking the parking, excellent car park, worked that all out. Where are we going to want to get away? Um, well got away very quickly, drove up in the electric car, but timed it. It worked out where we're charging the car. So logistically, I was delighted with with everything about it. And we won, which was obviously a small bonus from the, the whole event as well. But do you know what I'm feeling, Boyd, right now? I've been thinking about this today. When mm. when we like last won a title, not saying we're going to win a title, but we are in contention. We are five to two or a bit less to win a title. When we last won a title in two thousand and four, so at I was seventeen, eighteen that that season, and I sort of had only known Arsenal to be really good because if you go back a few years before that to two thousand two or nineteen ninety eight, these are all just we were never very long out of a title race from an age where I understood it. Watching this team now, having had eighteen years of of not winning a title. Yes, we were in a race twice, probably 2008, 2016. It means so much more because you've had all these years of, of not enjoying it. And I, and I mm-hmm. wonder, to put to you, what was it the same as we got to the end of the 1980s? And I don't mean this to highlight yeah. the fact that we're a bit different in age, but did you have similar? Because there was that period from the early 70s through to the 80s where, you know, th- there was a similar wait for a title. Hopefully it be a similar wait this time.
0: Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, there's a reason why Nick Hornby's book Fever Pitch, which is about that the 1989 season, um, works so well. I, I mean, one of the greatest books ever written. Uh because um it it because it's all about how Arsenal were painfully bad for a long period. Um and even when we well, we got some success in the cups like 79 cup final, etc. Um but for large periods, yeah, in the late 70s, early eighties, we were terrible and played terrible football as well. Um, for long periods of time. So the 1989 season, yeah, when when I was um how old was I? I was like 18, 19 or whatever. It was unbelievable, it was almost unbelievable how exciting it was. Yeah, I think probably more so than now. Cause now we've all we've all experienced, we've all been through to, to lesser or greater extent the the Wenger period of of success. So I think that feels more recent in our memory, um, somehow. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is just unbelievable. Sophie, I mean, this for you, you are, you're a younger person than me as well, but you obviously have an awareness of our history and this, mm. this d- does feel like something coming out of, it just feels very, very soon, much sooner than we expected, doesn't it? That we we've achieved this level of excellence already. <laughs>
1: I think so. I think so. Um, I'm always so cagey and so oh. Let's see. Let's see. And I, I, I never really decide whether something's going well until it's over. And that yes, that went well. That went well. Whereas what well, I, I'm very bad at sort of enjoying the moment. But I do. I mean, it felt like when we were buying in all these 22 year olds and 21 year olds who had incredible talent that at some point that was going to work. Um, that the thing counting against them was experience and grit. And that once you sort of added that, like, you know, the ability to pull a win out of a loss or the ability to, like, keep a draw or win when you're playing terribly, I always think is, you know, something that good teams have that we lacked was if we're playing badly, we'll lose. Um, And it just felt like a matter of time before the 22-year-olds or 21-year-olds turned 23, 24 and started to play with that maturity and that physicality and that experience. And I think adding Zinchenko, adding Gabriel Jesus, players who've, you know, it's such a sort of pundit trope, isn't it? But like, we we'll have experience of winning, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. I feel like you can see it, but it's, it's not just that it's having, it always felt like we had this creative flair coming up the wings and the midfield, even if the likes of Odegaard and, can't really say Saka because he's always consistent, but like yeah, our, our central midfield players like could be inconsistent. Odegaard, you know, was benched for a lot of his first season. Emil smith Road, mm. it felt like even when we're not firing 100 percent of the time, we have ability across the middle and the wing of the wings of the park to get the ball up into the box, and then we were just left with Aubameyang, who could only fire up his left foot on the left side of the box um, when the moon was in alignment with Venus, and um, <laughs> it just and and Alaka would sort of try hold up play and could be quite physical and could be quite ruthless in the box, but it it just felt like all it would take was somebody who could dribble with the ball in the center uh, from the, take it from the center and run it up, like be a proper number nine. And and then it was going to click and it kind of feels like that's happened. I still think there's a a problem with depth. Um, Yeah, but a lot of teams have that problem. It's not sort of, you know, it's not, I think every fan feels like that's a uniquely their club problem. Um, And, you know, Arteta's is right when he says these players have to get used to playing a lot like winning players play a lot. Um but but yeah no I yeah, it, I went- it, yeah that's a sort of long, rambly answer for like is it too, is it sooner than I thought probably <laughs> but it always felt like it would happen with this crowd.
0: But do it, I know what you mean when you say you expect it, it would happen eventually but this but the, the, the I'm not necessarily in the Wolves game but that's but the the last few games the the, the level that we're playing at and the kind of um the machine that Arteta's turned them into, that's what I can't can't quite kind of come to get, get over yet. It's like,
2: yeah, Josh. No, I'd I'd agree. That victory at Chelsea, I think I might have touched on it last week, wasn't like a smash and grab win at Chelsea. That was a we went there, we were the superior team by a distance. We limited Chelsea to so few opportunities. And at, even at 1-0 going into those final minutes, it wasn't. Maybe what we have experienced in the last couple of years of feeling like we're clinging on and we're going to throw it away and we're going to drop points, it, it was a really competent all-round performance. And so too, obviously, uh, at Wolves. They had a couple of moments in the game, but uh, really, as soon as Arsenal got the goal at the start of the second half, you, you thought mm-hmm. this is this is three three points now. And you know, at some point, particularly as I guess we may will slightly come out once they're one nil down, we were going to find a second and, and kill the game and do enough to, to win quite comfortably. So, yeah, the way we are doing it is just as exciting. It doesn't feel... Like, do you remember Under Emery? Was it 22 games we went unbeaten? Yeah. I yeah. mean, it feels like a lifetime ago, and good luck to the yeah. guy winning, obviously, a Brighton with, with his new Villa side. But there were points oh, yeah, in that run where you thought, this isn't quite reality, you know, yeah. whereas now it really is. And actually... Yeah, because- you know, and I think even Ronaldo, in his interview with your with your mate that we're going to see, even refers to like Arsenal yeah. being vastly superior to Man United in the one defeat uh, of the season. So, yeah, it's it is incredibly exciting, and we couldn't have asked for any more, especially on the back of what happened to Man City on you know Saturday lunchtime. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Can I just make I mean, it clear that, that Josh Josh is joking when he says interview with Ronaldo with my mate, Piers Morgan, I'm in no way a, a friend of <laughs> Piers Morgan's. I've, What's it, happened, Boyd? Have you had a fight? He, he, he's just an objectionable um, bell end, isn't he? I mean, like, you know, <laughs> he he has blocked me on Twitter. He has blocked me on Twitter. Oh, that's um, a claim to fame.
2: What did you do to, to push fame. him over the edge?
0: I I just criticised him when he was in the middle of his pro-Trump period, and you know, would excuse
2: anything that that. But no, we've all got a few things wrong. You wanted Arteta Sack not that long ago. Steady, he's. <laughs> Jesus. this is one
1: I, thing i was going to say actually was that like i and i have to again be cautious because i i mean i i've never really i'm not like a big loud kind of arteta out arteta in uh, fan hmm. shouty person but i was, really wasn't impressed with arteta and really thought he feels like a lampard he feels like um Mm. I've forgotten his name Just gone out of my head The uh, the uh, Man United Former player Manager Ole oh, oh, Gunnar Solskjaer yeah. Jesus Christ Yeah Yeah um, it felt like one of these player manager, old legacy guys who's going to yeah. fall. And everyone would thought Altec was going to be the first to be sacked. I thought he was going to be first to be sacked. I kind of felt like the quality of the play, the play, these players, the quality of the purchasing was perhaps better than the quality of the manager. Now, my feeling is, have we accidentally stumbled upon a tactical genius, like one of the future great managers? And that will probably, <laughs> the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But um, yeah, at the minute, uh, the thing that's really, that I didn't expect to happen, whereas I saw this group of players might eventually click i didn't see arteta suddenly having like the arteta is a tactical genius world-class timeline um but i'm really enjoying that for as long as that'll carry on exactly
0: Exactly, that's the thing, isn't it? Because under you referred to the em, the Emery period, even in that twenty-two match unbeaten run period, we never it, it never. I remember, I don't ever remember thinking that we were dominating a game from start to finish over anyone, hardly. And it was always very helter skelter. And remember how I I remember I have I have flashbacks to how hard it was for our um players to advance the ball up the pitch. In, in almost every single game under Emery, and quite a lot under in the early days of Arteta as well, it was like quite painful yeah. trying to kind of you know string a decent move together, attacking move together, and the defence had its issues as well. It was it was all it was all quite it was all quite bad. And, and you're right, and it's honest if you say I'm the same. I'm I honestly admitted in last week's podcast that. Uh, I came close to thinking we should get rid of Arteta at, during the depths of the period where we were playing terrible football under him in the Willian period and other, you know, other God. moments. And I, yeah, remember, and, but and I was completely wrong. And, and and now I feel like, but now I feel the way he's got us dominating games, that's the thing I think that really I can't, I find difficult to believe he's achieved so quickly that we've got that Man City style, absolute domination of the, of the opponent team pretty much every single week every time we play in the league that it's not the cups are different but in the league it, not playing brilliantly we're still dominating and you still think oh well, there's no way we're going to lose this and that I find just astonishing how he sorted that out
1: I think Jesus is a huge part of that as well like yeah, just yeah. watching him being there like you, if, if you go when you go every week and you see he leads the press first whenever even if I Odegaard I always think Odegaard is sort of the two players that the the minute they're not on the pitch the quality just plummets is um Odegaard and Jesus in in my opinion but like Odegaard will lead the press as well like he's very advanced he presses he presses he presses but Jesus is relentless you'll see Odegaard get tired you'll see him get like defensive maybe like apprehensive of counters when they're tired Jesus just never and he's up there and he's calling to everybody else to come with him so it's you know because Arteta used to bang on about like, they're not doing what I want them to do. They're not doing what I want them to do. And you always wondered, what is that? And then you realize now he wants them to be chasing the ball all the time and chasing the player on the ball all the time, shepherding the ball to where they want it to go. Um, And instead you kind of have Oberalaka who are tired or who don't do that. And and a team that doesn't believe in itself that sits back and tries to absorb like a press. Um, So I think the additions have been a huge part of that as well.
0: Yeah. Did you think, um, Josh, when um I mean when Shaka went off with his mystery illness, um, which which um Arteta then said had affected four or five other players who just kind of soldiered on, that like, like there was a period where we, we we were struggling a little bit, I thought, post like I do think it's true that one or two of our players if are so important that if they get injured or if they're not available or whatever, it can become an issue. But then we just kind of like sh- pulled ourselves together it felt like to me and re- reasserted our authority and again I always felt confident we were gonna it will be it will be fine in the
2: end yeah it, it definitely wasn't good news and, and I think the fact that Arteta played Granite jacka from the beginning with him obviously not feeling very well probably shows how important Arteta feels about jacka I guess in this day and age of five substitutes, the risk of doing that is a lot less than if you had three substitutes when you're thinking about taking someone off if it's not working on 10, 15 minutes. And so it proved, I was a bit surprised to see Vieira come on. I just immediately, as I I saw Xhaka go down on his haunches, I thought this is a El Neni situation and the obvious thing, and credit to Arteta, it was quite a positive um, move. What I did like and was quite interesting. I'm not sure if it was shown on telly. I haven't seen it back on telly, but when Jacka went down and the medical team came on the other 10 players, I don't know if they showed this all ran as if it was a timeout in the NFL. Yeah. All ran to Arteta and Arteta yeah, was did, getting busy yeah. with for, for like a yeah. minute. And that was really interesting that he's like, right, I've watched 10 minutes of the game. I've got things to tell you now. And you know, all the players were completely focused on on getting over there and, and getting that information. Yeah. Um, credit I guess at first I thought Vieira it, it, it wasn't brilliant as he sort of had that mm-hmm. first 10 15 20 minutes of of the game but as the second half went on and look he obviously you know was the the absolute key in unlocking the Wolves' defense for that first goal with his um you know with the run that he made to receive the ball from from Gabriel Jesus and ultimately um you know won the game for Arsenal so I think quite a bold substitution from from yeah. Arteta to go more it positive was, than just El Nenny
0: yeah. It was, it was surprising, wasn't it, Sophie? I think a lot of us thought, mate, or I, I thought maybe you'd bring Tierney on and put Zinchenko further forward or something like that. Yeah, but I, I, very, very positive. He's so positive. Almost all decisions he makes, unless we're like in the lead with 10 minutes to go and he, and he kind of, you know, role time. Yeah, exactly. But every other decision he's making at the moment is so positive. I think that, that, and that kind of like seems to spread throughout the team, that confidence and positivity. Mm.
1: And I think, you know, I, um, I remember that kind of. I well, I can't quite remember what the subs were, but I remember feeling like that that bold, ambitious sort of substitutes had backfired when we played Man United, and that ended up yeah. being a bit of a mistake. So when I saw Vieira coming on for Xhaka, when I thought I had, I kind of anticipated exactly the same as you that Zinchenko might move forward, we'd get Tierney on, or we'll get El Neni even though that's sort of two defensive, like he's that's two pivots, and mm. and um, is that really what Arteta wants to be doing? And but Vieira felt like quite oh. Okay, well, because he's not been (sighs) playing, he's not been playing fantastically in the Europa League, but nobody really has. Like, it's been fine, but he does have moments of where I think he's really electrifying, and there are other moments where I think he needs to buy new boots because he's always falling over. He falls over more than any player I'm watching on the on the. He's so slight, though, isn't he? He's like one of the
0: slightest players in 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 the Premier League. He's like seems such a little a little guy I kind of that that's I don't know if that matters but that's how it looks to me
1: now that I'm old and and have <laughs> injured my knee I'm uh, I I look at all of them and I look at him and I'm like you need to develop your knee stabilizers man you 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 <laughs> you, you scream future meniscus problems um but I'm now just triggered I think
0: yeah, fair enough yeah yeah um well we should take a quick break and talk more about uh, the Wolves game and in general uh, what's happening the moment with us and maybe the world cup and Tony Adams and lots of other stuff after this break. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? And we're back from the break. Um, yeah, I guess that we should say that the performance against Wolves. Wasn't the best, was it? I mean, but if you look at the look at I was, I, whenever I feel like after a game like that, where I feel like we weren't at our best, and then I look at the statistics. Our pass accuracy was eighty nine percent. We had sixty three percent of possession. Five hundred seventy nine passes versus three hundred forty eight. Just all the stats point to the, fourteen shots. By the way, four on target. I mean, could, and they they completely had a defensive. You know, for, for the for large swathes of the game, they had eleven men behind the ball as well. So I mean, we did pretty well to to kind of never look like we're going to lose that gain and, and, and essentially overcome them in the end.
2: Josh. Th- oh, no, Sophie, go Oh, no, go on, Josh. No, no, you go first, Sophie. You're the guest. People are very bored of hearing me. I'll come off to you. <laughs>
1: um, I think what's quite interesting is, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but I've certainly become used to now with Arsenal I, I get excited to go to Arsenal games in a way that I haven't before not just because oh I'm enjoying it now but because I anticipate blockbuster football I anticipate yeah. YouTube highlights football like really fun like gasp aloud moments and and you've been getting it we've been getting it with Odegaard and Jesus and Xhaka you know moment. it, it feels like peak TV of football with Arsenal at the yeah. moment. Um, and so when you just get a competent, well-drilled win, that now feels disappointing. <laughs> that yes. Whereas we, it was, we absolutely, a season or two ago, would have gone, wow, the quality on show here. What, what brilliance, the discipline, because we supposedly so lacked that for so long. Uh, and now I think that just feels a bit boring or a bit flat compared to what we know we can do. But when in fact, you say, like you say, you look at the statistics and in fact it's, very, very good. And I think it's just because now we've sort of been groomed into expecting blockbuster football every week that when it's just, you know, competent, solid, well-oiled, that's like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas in fact, which is a really good point, because Man City, who I, st- who I do feel, Pep and Man City, I feel like it so obviously is the template that Arteta's following rather brilliantly they have they have periods i mean forgetting the unbelievable defeat on saturday even but in general like even in their seasons where they where they won when they you know won the league in the last few years they still have games where they dominate position but they don't play that brilliantly and they're yeah. not that exciting you know i often feel where he's actually achieved an even more exciting version of what pep's doing than pep has
1: oh yeah I, and I, I mean people often complain about how boring man city are and i think part of that is The style, but also part of that is the fact that they, you know, with all their money, they buy the best players in the world, and of course they're going to play well. And I think the nice middle ground with Arsenal is they, we just have an average Joe billionaire rather than a nation state, Um, and we kind of have the players that we have, who we've sort of grown half of them from the academy level, and the others were like, you know, 21, 22, and may, and they're kind of playing flair football to the to the tune of Pep's well-oiled machine of Man City. So it feels like the best of all worlds at the minute, um, which is, I think, why it is really nice to watch.
0: Yeah. Josh, I mean, I guess we should say, just talk about Odegaard scoring both goals. I mean, he's our top scorer in the league. I know we haven't got that many big scores with, I think, six. Um, But, you know, one of the things I think we all said about him was as brilliant as he is, and, you know, there's some fantastic passes and his little touches, but he needed to score more goals. Well, he is now scoring more goals.
2: Yeah, and and look, someone has to at the moment because you know Gabriel Jesus. And I'm not criticising, but he's he's not scoring. But then he is obviously coming out wide and and doing a lot, you know, involved in the games. But isn't so the goals have got to be spread around. Um, and yeah, Odegaard has absolutely stepped up a, a brace, um, you know, on on Saturday. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's one of the. I think I think of our starting eleven on Saturday. Eight of them are, are off to the World Cup. He's obviously one of those that isn't he'll be taking part in these friendlies that we seem to be organizing so it'll be you know interesting how the you know the players that aren't going to the world cup compared to the ones that are but i I think the wider point that we were discussing on the way home from from wolves in the in the car was eight of our eleven not only are going to the World Cup, but 8 or 11 have played every single league game, started every single league game. Now, by comparison, Man City have only got three players who have started every single Premier League game this season. So I think that tells you two things. One, that we've been incredibly fortunate to have a team that we can basically put out the same team pretty much every every week. It's really only sort of Zinchenko that you maybe say has been unavailable um, for, for you know, an amount of games where you would have expected him to play if he was fit. And two, that our strength in depth is a step below what Man City's will be. And if we can't cope and we get injuries and we get suspensions, what can come off our benches is, is not a touch on theirs. I sort of feel comfortable with fullbacks and Tomiyasu and, and Tierney, but the problem is slightly below that. It is, you know, what what will Lukonga bring or El or Reese Nelson or Cedric or Rob Holding or. You know, Marquinhos. I don't know how far down you know our squad we go, but the 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 depth is is not there. So it's I I don't know if there's another team that have even got eight. You know, I, I doubt it. There is in the Premier League who've started as many games as we have. So for us to have done it and to be top is a is a pretty unique set of circumstances.
0: Yeah. So for you, one of those Arsenal fans, are you like happy for our players that are going to be in the World Cup? and excited to watch them in the World Cup? Or are you? Sl- would you rather have had fewer of our players in the World Cup so that we, Arsenal, could have had a less chance of injuries, etc.?
1: No, I never really think that way, sadly. I probably should. But um, I, I, no, I'm always just excited to watch Arsenal players play football. So the more of them, I, I, I root for them like they're my children. Like when Ben White got his call up, I was like texting my phone, Benny Blanco's finally going to the World Cup. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I get really excited about, I, I watch, you know, I, I, you know, I, I get invested in England initially because there's Arsenal players in there, and then I kind of can bring myself to cheer on Harry Kane, um, hmm. and. Um... No, I love watching the play. I, I feel incredibly proud when, like, I mean, the, the the pride and the heartbreak ultimately. Like when Saka became the shining light for the England squad at the Euros, and everyone was talking about Saka, and we were like, we saw him first, we loved him first, and obviously, then the heartbreak of that final moment. But it felt like, I don't know, it just felt like your your nephew was out there, and you were going, I know him, he's he's one of ours, uh, and I yeah. love that feeling. I really do, because um, I prefer like club football to national football mostly. So yeah, I start liking the England team through the Arsenal to players. So that's my entry point.
2: I'm very excited yeah. for this. Uh, are you are you ready for the World Cup board? I'm getting quite excited. I'm going out for a bit of it. So I'm, oh, I no. I'm biased in, in terms of excitement. But there's every chance now, isn't there, that Ben White plays. It's sort of amazing yeah. turnaround. that He probably wasn't yeah. in the squad at the start of the season in terms of people's expectations. But when you've got players in form, then uh in the top of the league and, you know, played every game, it's, it's hard to leave them out. And even just watching a bit of Sky Sports today, there's a, f- a fair few pundits sort of making a case for Ramsdale, even though the expectation is Southgate's loyalty season stick with Pickford. But, you know, it's... um I think... Pretty, I, think a I think... I think of boys to support.
0: I think um, uh, Ben White will play in the first game. I think Saka will play. I, I would be amazed if... um if the goalkeeper plays, um yeah. just because he yeah, he the, I, I think he's only gonna drop um what's his name? <laughs> the Pickford. Jordan Pickford. Thank you. Jordan Pickford. You know I am going C9 and I forget everyone's name. But you gave um, me
1: Ollie, so you yeah, can true, have true. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I can have Pickford. I think he only drops Pickford if Pickford really, really screws up somehow, you know. And um then he would that then you might think about changing. But I really think I'd be surprised if Ben White and Sucker don't both play in that first game. And um, I find it, I'm I'm. I, I, I'm with Sophie, like I feel it's like watching members of my family, my sons um, playing football. <laughs> and it's incredibly exciting. I think Ben White totally deserves it. And I just think Saka, I think he like, I think Saka is like, but has that, he has that combination of, it's really hard to get the ball for him once he's dribbling away. Although he didn't have the best of times necessarily against that Wolves defender on Saturday, but still in the end, he did have a couple of moments where he did beat that beat their fullback and got into really dangerous positions and launched some really brilliant crosses and his corners are fantastic this season. Mm. I wanted to say, I remember think, thinking he's really improved his corner taking um, and his set piece uh, balls, etc. but he's also incredibly um, hardworking and reliable in, in defensively. He'll track back. So I just think, I think he's got that all, all the, all the requirements um, that Gareth Southgate, Gareth Southgate wants from one of his wide players. So I would be surprised. Prize if he doesn't pick Zaka. Mason Mount hasn't been in the best of form as you you know and all of that. So um, I think I think they'll both play and I can't wait. It feels it's it's a week today, right? We're recording this Monday, and a week today, Arsenal would have already played their first game. I think it's a one o'clock. England, uh, England. Thank you, England. Freudian is Yeah, England would have played their first World Cup game, and even and I am really excited about it, even with the whole moral issue of. The whole thing fucking taking place in this hellhole that is Qatar. How are you dealing, Sophie, with that? Just a quick touch base on the moral mm. issue. There was an interesting, I don't know if you saw it on Sky last night, after the game, after the um, Man U game, they had a Gary Neville documentary about God, um, Qatar. Yeah. And despite the fact that he is taking Qatari money to commentate, for there he did i thought the documentary was really good because he touched upon all the issues and he did actually ask qatari officials about um the situation for lgbtq people and he t- talked about the horrendous conditions of the workers he actually went into one of the camps where the workers are based that built worked on the stadia etc and kind of it was actually a really good documentary but what, what's your feeling currently about you know how to deal with the world cup on a moral basis <laughs>
1: oh I'm I'm so morally compromised Uh, because my 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 thing my feeling about most things is I hate this this is terrible there are a million reasons it's objectionable but my act of protest means nothing so I may as well not which is you know the reason why terrible things happen all over people like me going never mind oh well what can I do about it I'll just keep watching um in fairness I have a lot of friends a lot of teammates who are boycotting and weirdly there have been a lot of like little kind of talks about should we go and play football when it's on and things like that my new kind of argument is, guys. literally gonna be in an a brace and crutch if, for six weeks like all i'll be able to do is watch the world cup so in, in the spirit of my personal recovery i shall be watching the world yeah. Cup. now i'll, I'll probably yeah. yeah i will watch it i i um uh, because i'm morally compromised but uh, at the same time think it's um i mean what's new it's abhorrent it's um i've i was just um I, and it's been this way for decades um you know qatar won. qatar i mean they say we must say that uh, Qatar, uh, Qatar um is adamant that they did not um pay 150 billion dollars in bribes to yeah. FIFA to win uh by uh, the uh World Cup, but think on that what you will. Um twas ever thus, you know, corrupt regimes sort of buying soft power by going through corporations who have control over these international events it's gross but what else is new and we we individually contribute to these terrible things every day and we kind of pick and choose our battles i think it's important as individuals that you can't bear the burden of um, Mm. every great global catastrophe that you can do nothing about so you just have to personally pick what your your that your not your red line because i think all of it's a red line but you have to pick your personal battles and right now because i'm i'm going to be laid up i will probably watch the world cup mainly just to support my boy soccer
0: yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm the same. I, I, I am morally weak, and I think I really admire anyone who is boycotting. it. I admire their um, sacrifice, etc. But four mm. games a day, four games a day, hook me in, you know, hook me up to those ext- the, you know, four games a day for, like, the first couple of weeks what of the What time?
1: Tournament. What time are they on at? Um, I don't
0: even know. They're going to be 9, yeah, 9 a.m., 1 a.m., 4 p.m., 7 p.m. Our time.
2: 4 a.m. No? or 4 p.m.? Four p.m. No. Is that right, no, Josh? One, no. Have I got it wrong? Uh, no? Go I on. think one four seven ten. I think was uh, uh on Qatari time. Is that all right? So then yeah, 10, no, I'm, 1, i was talking about our time, 4, Sorry. Oh right, okay. No, I think uh, I think 10, <laughs> 9, ten one four seven. 7. Is that right? Ten a.m. yeah.
0: Oh, 10 a.m. Okay, ten a.m.
2: Yeah. All I know is that this you morning can get is up definitely up, if you want be... the build up maybe
0: you'd be ready at nine. Oh yeah. Would. Yeah, some of ITV's coverage starts at nine on those morning games because so they dispense with um, Lorraine and this morning. If you, if you, uh, oh know. no, yeah, yeah.
1: what's yeah. going to happen? Yeah. Oh, God, what's going to happen to your like, you know, your reality TV fans? I think somebody said, Does not it disrupt Love Island?
0: Um, I don't think it does disrupt Love Island. It, it disrupts I'm a Celebrity a bit. I'm a celebrity who have to wait till if ITV's big primetime games for uh, for World Cup games to finish, and then I'm a celebrity will start slightly later. But Love Island won't be back until the New Year, so you you, be pleased to know. So that's fine.
1: I don't. I mean, I, that's even more of a red line for yeah. me. So that's yeah, all right. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs>
0: they yeah. can
1: disrupt Matt Hancock into an early grave, as far as I'm concerned. That's
0: absolutely fine. yeah. But Josh, so Josh, your when are you flying out, and where are you flying
2: to, and how is it all going to work for you? Well, I'm going to Dubai, um, like Arsenal, um, just just so happens. And, and it sounds like I might be there while Arsenal have a friendly there. So you never know. I might might get the rather unique experience of of watching Arsenal, but we'll worry about that. So I'm going off to Dubai um, in about 10 days, uh, 12 days' time. So I'll be there for the last group game. The plan is to go to... England-Wales at the moment and then go to the round of 16s but I am just going to be sort in and out to Qatar I'm not really planning to be in Qatar for, for too much time um, I guess I have the excuse of work to, to justify um, going and, uh, and being there part of it but I think a, a huge amount of people are going to Dubai and Abu Dhabi and just flying in and out there are 20-25 flights a day on effectively shuttles going in and mm. out because in part they don't have enough accommodation in in Doha, so they're, you know, very proactively encourage people to to do, you know, do exactly that and stay in other countries and fly in. And, you know, you don't need quite the same level of, um, for example, anyone going to Qatar for this has had to register where they're staying and, and and everything like that. Whereas if you're just going in and out for 24 yeah. hours, you you don't need to do that. You can just say you're in and out for 24 hours and show a flight ticket. So it is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go to World Cup. I've been to. I went to South Africa for three weeks of South Africa in 2010. I went for 10 days of Brazil in 2014. I went for over two weeks of, of 2018 and, you know, amazing England moments of being Colombia on penalties and being about, you know, one of 3,000 England fans to go to Samara to see England beat Sweden and, you know, get through to a semi final and see England leading in a World Cup semi final against Croatia. It's not the same as watching Arsenal and, you know, those big moments and Champions League finals, but. I do like England. Have travelled and seen England all over the all over the world now, so um, it'll be pretty special, I think, just to go and uh, and be there for another World Cup. And uh, intrigued, I did see the uh, mm. fan park beer prices today were were really. Oh I think we're looking at nineteen dollars
0: wow. for a uh, Jeez. for a beer. Yeah. Wow and if i thought I'm they wise. showed th- they showed some of the accommodation on the documentary last night this this going everything and and they they they're putting they're putting fans on the beach in tents on the beach hundreds of tents you know like you know people would sleep rough on the beach they're actually that is part of the official um, Qatari accommodation for fans and they're putting them up in a massive um, like ocean liner which which ha- which houses three thousand four hundred people or something, and a lot of fans can stay there. Go on, Josh. Yeah.
2: Well, well, there are there are there were two big cruise ships that were yeah. uh, going to be sort of sat in Doha for the month, and then there was actually a third one added very late, only about a week ago, um, to cope with sort of additional demand. My my understanding is actually the England uh, friends and family are on one of these uh, cruise ships. Oh, so wow. I think a, a thought process being that. There will be, you know, all all international cuisines. I think you'll be able to drink because you're, you know, effectively, you know, not uh in Doha. So they've got the relevant licenses to be able to have drink. And, you know, there's loads of activities. So I think um I, I think various sort of friends, families of, of different squads will actually be on there just because it's sort of a uh, yeah, maybe a, a more familiar type of accommodation to what to what they'll be used to. Um, But, yeah, it's it's totally unique. There are incredible sort of accommodation options of, you know, tents in the desert. Look, Maybe it will be, you know, very unique experiences that people um, enjoy. I think um, it sort of felt like it's really started today, hasn't it, once the Premier League was done and seeing a few of the sort of reporters go. um, I know certainly working with the ex-players who are going out for punditry the first few who we work with are going out, you know, on Wednesday and we'll be there and start to do their reports from Thursday. And yeah, it's uh it's it's come up quickly, but like you said, Boyd, four games a day of football to potentially enjoy. I mean, it's yeah. difficult to uh it's difficult to complain, isn't it? Who are you tipping, Boyd? Yeah. Who's your who's your tip for the week? Win- well, I was gonna I was Gonna ask, yeah. Do well, you like how, a prediction? A, how... And it feels strange. I like a prediction. I mean, we could predict the West Ham result now if you fancy. <laughs> <laughs> because I know you Boxing like to Day. be well, ahead we... of yourself.
0: No, no, no. We'll wait, we'll wait for that. We can wait for that. But I would like a prediction, yeah, from us all on how far A, how far we think England will go, and B, who will win the World Cup. Um I think so... England
2: will well if England win their group and France win their group, they're set to both meet in the quarter-final, assuming they both then would win their round of 16 ties. And I think that's where yeah. it sadly might end for England. And I think France, I think France going all the way is um, is my prediction. Sophie, what do you
1: think? I- I'm the same. I mean, we I sort of predicted we might go out the round of 16 just because I know friendlies are meaningless, but we've looked terrible the last few mm-hmm. times we've played. We've looked really terrible. Our kind of big guns who were so exciting in 2018 and in the Euros, are just a bit old now and a bit crocked and in terrible form in there for their clubs, and I feel like the newer players are sort of probably too new to. There's like there's a perfect blend of age and a lack of experience, so I don't know. Maybe it'll all click together and be really exciting and magical, kind of like the Euros, or it'll be a really depressing turn from us, and I'm a little bit worried it's going to be the latter. And I think France are going to smash it, and William Saliba is going to do the business and become like the most expensive player in the world.
0: Yes, yes well i have to choose someone different i can't say france as well even though i, I slightly i am going to go for brazil i i think i i'm you know i think look their squad is absolutely fucking incredible mm-hmm. i mean it, it's slightly miraculous that our players kind of squeaked in i mean famously on like a week ago the rumor was martinelli wasn't going to make it into the squad but he did in the end um I looked so happy about it. There was. A, did you see on Scott had a brilliant interview with the two of them. Yes, uh, Martinelli and he and said Jesus he cried together. for an hour. Yeah, he cried for an hour. That was yeah, it's brilliant.
1: Very
0: sweet. So sweet. Um, yeah. So I, I'll go for Brazil. I go for Brazil, and I think I kind of agree that I think England will probably. If, yeah, they'll definitely lose to France if if both of us do go through. I think that's the case. So I'll say quarterfinals for England. And it's weird, isn't it? How quickly things change. It's weird. It's odd how we've gone from. Finalists in the Euros and looking like you know we could have won that game quite easily in various ways. To to kind of having a, a terrible, particularly terrible defence, like the fact that he's stuck with Harry Maguire and all of that does is a worry, isn't it? That's why I think I hope that Ben White is in, is picked because I think he could. I think he, the, the, our defence needs his help quite badly.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, look, I mean, there hasn't been huge turnover in sort of squads. No. Um, but it's it's in terms of form, isn't it? Because if you do look at that, you say Jordan Pickford in a largely Everton struggling team, you know, Harry Maguire isn't playing for Manchester United. Even Luke Shaw has been in and out at certain points of season has come back, but Malastia was keeping him out for a while. Calvin Phillips has barely kicked a ball um, all season Mason And Mount hasn't been in the form that, that he's shown Raheem Sterling, I don't think has, you know, shown incredibly in his no. opening couple of months at Chelsea and um, Henderson hasn't probably been as pivotal to, to Liverpool and a struggling Liverpool side mm. um, this season and probably the list, the, the list goes on. So there are, yeah, there are lots of question marks against sort of players that took England to that final a year ago. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, there is less expectation exactly because of what Sophie just said, because of how poor some of the performances have been in the Nations League and, Um, you know the last six months, and um, yeah, expectation isn't isn't what it could be, but you sit back and look at the team, and you start to think, well, hang on, there's some real players here, especially going forward, and Bellingham and Foden, and you know Jack Grealish, you know there's some lovely footballers in there that make you think on their day. And we're all it will take sucker. is like pumping Iran three or four nil, which may well happen, and suddenly everyone will will start to dream again. So well, he's h- hoping this time next week that's what we're, that's what we're thinking. And
1: that that's it. And that's where my kind of feelings about the fact that like you got Harry Maguire and Harry Kane and Jordan Henderson, and it's all just a little bit passe, and that like maybe our new guys are sort of too new, too inexperienced, could all just be total bollocks in a week's time when it turns out that actually all they needed was. Sp- You know, to take the take the centre stage and uh, be Mm. given that opportunity and then shine. Like, you know, Bellingham is clearly a few games away from. You know, he's already sort of world class, but you know, I think if he's given, if 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 Calvin Phillips isn't fit enough to start in that central midfield, and Bellingham's given that chance, like I, you know, either he kind of really underwhelms or he like wins it for us. Like, it's it's one of those. It could be really exciting,
2: but it could also be disappointing. What's a quick quick final word, Boyd, from you on on Ronaldo?
1: Um, Oh, I
0: think Arsenal. Absolutely, fuck off! No, I think yeah, fuck off exactly. I think (laughs) it's an example of 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 an egomaniac. You know. aging egomaniac i mean he's talk about a sense of privilege he's complaining about the swimming pool, you know man united you know, and the then the and the food and i'm like oh you know i'm sure it's fine you just fucking deal with it I, I, yeah absolutely absolutely tedious i mean it's harder to work out who's a bigger self-absorbed egomaniac um him or Piers morgan himself who conducted the interview obviously oh um so yeah, no. But going back to Arsenal before we end, before we draw this uh, last podcast for a while, although we said Josh, we try and do one, didn't we, in the middle of the just to kind of check up
2: on how the Arsenal players are doing. Um, yeah, do maybe that. you know. Uh, I'm sure the Arsenal will have a bit a couple of these friendlies, right? They've yeah. officially released what they're doing. It's kind of been rumors of who they're playing. It's I like rumors of something really exciting, oh, isn't it?
1: Like PSG or something.
2: With Barcelona was it? I thought right. they got a game yeah. against Barcelona at the Emirates or something going on as well as a is it a game against Milan in Dubai, boys? What are your what are your sources saying?
0: No, I've heard similar, yeah, but but nothing confirmed. Yeah, they'll both be really interesting, yeah. Um, I should say I'm taking I'm going to be a guest on Never Write Off the Germans which is the every time there's a major international tournament they, um the people who produce this podcast do a general world cup slash tournament based podcast and I'm going to be doing that on Wednesday I believe I think if anyone cares and oh I just wanted to I'm going to plug my I've got going back to Arsenal quickly in a minute I'm going to plug my interview with um Virgil van Dijk in the new issue of Circle 08 magazine uh, look it up. It'll be in all swanky newsagents and you can buy it online. And that's out on Thursday. I wanted to say that. And before, oh, going back to Arsenal. Sorry, Sophie. To say. Oh, no, I just said
1: that's exciting.
0: <laughs> it is exciting. Yeah, he was lovely. He, he, he was great. Virtue. Going back to Arsenal, the final prediction we have to make is, bearing in mind, let's just emphasise, we are five points ahead of Man City. We're going into the Christmas and New Year period top of the league by five points. We are playing unbelievable football. It's an incredible, the best ever start to the season. So, where do you think we are going to end up in the end, Sophie?
1: Um, if the World Cup wasn't happening, I'd say second or third. So I, and I'm only being slightly pessimistic at the third thing, just yeah. because of our previous form in bottling it at the last minute. But I think, in terms of quality and the consistency we've shown so far, and statistically what happens to teams who have this level of points by this point um yeah it should be second um and then if we bottled it third if you include the world cup god only knows if they all break their legs sixth seventh who knows so oh, no. yeah, if we lose yeah. jay-z I mean we won't lose odegaard unless you know but someone at barcelona trips him up uh, or someone in milan kills him in dubai but um yeah, Saka, Jesus, Louis. yeah, who knows? So I just think the World Cup and how they come back, their mental, their mental well-being, how they've performed. Mm. Mm.
0: Um, it's such an unknown. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah,
1: transfer window. Yeah, so I just couldn't call it with the World Cup in there.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think I'll now be. I think I'll be disappointed if we don't finish at least second. Now, I think most. It's just. It's just been such a. Situation. It feels weird. It, it will feel like a disappointment if we finish third. But you know, at the beginning of the season, we would have been insane. I would have been insanely happy with that. Josh, <laughs> what are you feeling now?
2: Yeah, w- there was another discussion going on one of my WhatsApp groups of Would you take second now? And absolutely not. But purely because there's no difference really between second, third, or fourth. So you know, we have to uh we have to embrace the idea that a title challenge is possible. Saturday was the first time on the way home that I started to think maybe, you know, really maybe why not? Like you know, because of such a swing that no, it can't just make you know Man City's expectation to to beat Brentford at home and a little bit of encouragement, even if no points were gained from the way they really struggled to get a win against Fulham in the you know the previous week and needed a sort of fortuitous, maybe, penalty in the 95th minute. Oh. But maybe Saturday was a time when you go, well, why not? Yeah, that was maybe, unbelievable. You look at the two sides, yeah. you wouldn't say yeah. Arsenal are anywhere different to where they deserve to be. But hand on heart, because of the depth of squad, mm. second feels like the most likely thing. But it will be intriguing what the club do if, well, we... Okay, we we could just about lose our two games before the January transfer window opens and, and not find ourselves top. But realistically, we're top going into the transfer window. Do they think? Well, hang on, this is this is a hell of an opportunity. And do we get two, three more players of serious quality, and we kind of go hell for leather to sort of win the Premier League? Kind of safe in the knowledge, Champions League football is pretty much looking not certain, but not miles off certain. Um, Maybe that does give you more confidence to go in the transfer window because of that, you know, financial windfall that should be back with the club next year and everything that. Well, we were linked
0: today, weren't we, with Michaelo Mudrik? Oh,
2: we've been linked um, with him
0: for a while.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, he's great.
1: I like him. I like. him Yeah, he
0: looks brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That was a very long-winded answer, but it was good. No, I like a long-winded answer. Second second, I think Ooh, second. So. let's stick with second we will be happy yeah. with second um we should uh draw it to a close now thank you sophie so much for joining us you've been uh, brilliant thank and, you it's been so fun um, thank you and thank you josh uh have a lovely time out there um try and cope with the uh the why <laughs> the mysterious ways of the Qatari nation etc mm-hmm. um and uh it's all very exciting um well that was a lame ending wasn't it to this podcast but there we go um We'll be you back don't usually apologise,
2: boy. It's nice of you to apologise to listeners. <laughs> that, a one. special apology for a
0: lame, lame way of ending the podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, 5.7 Man City, top of the league. It is unbelievable. Can't wait to find out what happens. Cheers. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.